Okay, Pasa Mufasa, welcome to the Michaelpreneur Podcast. Today on the pod, we've got an extraordinary opportunity to have a discourse with Juliana Ferci, foundress of the Fungi Foundation. Juliana's accolades in the world of mycology and fungi diplomacy are globally renowned and meteorically impactful. Fungi Foundation is the world's first NGO dedicated exclusively to the preservation and promotion of fungi conservation and education and also indigenous knowledge and wisdom related to fungi. One of the many crowning achievements of the Foundation's work is getting the government of Chile to officially recognize the Queendom of Fungi and its environmental legislation, making it the first nation globally to do so. We're going to talk extensively today about what it means for fungi to receive government recognition and support, how to spearhead pro-fungi change and environmental policy and legislation, and we're also going to talk about fungi diplomacy and how citizen diplomats and citizen scientists can effectively marshal change at institutional levels. We're also going to talk about the Future is Fungi event that Fungi Foundation and its coterie of prolific advocates are hosting tomorrow, Saturday, June 26th, online worldwide, and what the future of fungi and educational curriculums around the globe looks like. So let's get down to business. Kate Pasa Mufasa, Juliana Ferci of Fungi Foundation. Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast. How's it going today, Juliana? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Dennis? So this week in the United States, Texas officially designated the Coriolactus geester, or the Texas star mushroom, as its official state mushroom. Now, Minnesota and Oregon also have official state mushrooms. One of your numerous mycological claims to fame, Juliana, is that you successfully petitioned the government of Chile to officially recognize fungi as a queendom in Chile's environmental legislation, becoming the first nation globally to do so. What are some of the tangible benefits that come with a state government officially recognizing and promoting the agenda of fungi? Yeah, this was about 10 years ago, Dennis. So I've been working for the fungi for over 20 years. And along, along that path, um, it was really clear a couple of decades ago when governments and international agencies were talking about having an ecosystemic view of nature that unless you include um, fungi, there really is no ecosystem. And I like to use the analogy of the cake. If you're going to make a cake and you have flour and you have milk and you have butter, if you don't put any egg in there, you're not going to make a cake because the egg sticks the ingredients together. And the fungi like the egg in a forest or in an ecosystem, the fungi connect, you know, different parts of, uh, of a system together. So um, we really used um, a lot of the attributes of the fungi to leverage and to trigger the inclusion of fungi in environmental legislation based on the fact that you cannot have an ecosystemic view to nature or conservation unless you put fungi really at the center of all your efforts. And to be honest, Dennis, that was just the beginning because what's happening today is that the Fungi Foundation, together with NYU School of Law and with Merlin Sheldrake, we've come together and we've been working for close to a year now to um, really push for the inclusion of fungi and conservation frameworks on an international level. So I urge everybody to go into the webpage 
faunaflorafunga.org and sign on to a statement we have there to get um, United Nations and others to include fungi in their treaties. So in the lead up to this interview, I asked our followers and listeners and friends in the mycological community if they have any questions for you. And someone out in Victoria, Australia asked if there's any chance that your Fungi Foundation could help push for the same recognition of fungi in the environmental legislation there as you've done in Chile and elsewhere. Do you have people asking you to assist like this in fungi diplomatic efforts? And if so, what are some of the measures that can be taken to achieve solidarity amongst environmental policy, local government, and academic communities and beyond to promote the conservation, protection, and destigmatization of fungi? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, I think there are two, two parts to that answer. The first thing is um, I, I really, really urge um, people to understand that that you, it's very difficult to do this work from a laboratory in a university. And it's very difficult to do it, you know, it, from a, a, a job that's different, you know, a first job that's not um, primarily focused on fungi. I think the success of Chile really does, um, really does, it, it has been built upon the fact that we are an NGO, um, and nonprofit organizations um, have, the mission um, mostly of translating science to policy and um, in, the in the case of an, the environmental NGO scene, it's the fact that we are a fungal NGO and that we could um, work together with other environmental NGOs around the, around the space to come together to push for a policy change. So the first thing is the importance of a non-profit dedicated to fungi or of, or of a non-profit that focuses on fungi because it's a it's a whole job in itself the second thing i would say is that it's fundamental to um to have a strategy that's based on the opening of a legislation it for any matter so for example in chile legislation was um was opened to modification, not because of the fungi, but because of other issues in that legislation. But when a piece, when a bill is opened or a regulation is opened for comment or for modification, you can propose any any change. That proposal either comes from NGOs, from academia, um, and and um, and you know unions or others. So I would say that the strategy and knowing how to um, propose new policy. Uh, is a is a whole strategy in itself and you really need like widespread community support so in chile it was the having a, a fungi foundation and it was teaming up with other foundations like the ram foundation and and even you know big international ngos that supported the inclusion of fungi and um and then on the other hand it was this strategy of incorporating the fungi um, because the law had been opened for any other matter. I've been involved in citizen diplomacy my whole life, starting when I was six years old, when we had our first student from Brazil, and then in the ongoing years, during and since my adolescence, and later through hosting diplomatic delegations sponsored by U.S. State Department initiatives. And throughout these experiences, I've been able to build close family relationships with individuals and communities 
throughout the furthest reaches of the globe, from tiny African nations like Cape Verde and Lesotho, to many former Soviet Union republics like Kyrgyzstan and Armenia, to every nation in South America, many of the places around the world. I've also been able to visit friends in many of these places. So I grew up with an extremely diverse and cosmopolitan crowd and developed an ability to fluidly communicate across cultures and ages and demographics through these experiences and through my travels. Mushrooms have extensive historical symbiosis with people and with cultures and civilizations across different areas in the world. And I see a huge untapped potential with fungi diplomacy where fungi can become this vehicle for international diplomacy and collaboration that transcends borders and transcends cultures and establishes common ground among people with divergent backgrounds. As someone who has tremendous international reach and connections at the state, industry, and the academic levels and beyond, what are some of the opportunities you see for fungi to function as an instrument of diplomacy? Well, that's actually what fungi are and do in essence. So anything you do when working for the fungi is essentially and um, just in intrinsically um, interconnecting. There's no other way because fungi really don't live separate from other or another. And it's primarily what they teach you in any part of their life. So, so in my view, there is no other way other than collaboration and connectedness um, to work for the fungi so they do that they really do that um, just just always uh, as an organization you know we, we're going to be 10 years old next year and what we've seen and I think what the event that we're hosting on the 26th tomorrow um, really proves is that as a community the mycological community comes together we come together to support each other. There is recognition and appreciation for the Fungi Foundation as this first NGO on earth ever dedicated exclusively to fungal conservation, education, research and exploration. And, um, and I'm just really delighted to see that um, what was once a solitary road, and, I, and I, when I say solitary, I mean very solitary, is today a huge community effort um, and and my biggest hope is that this organization not only transcends political frontiers and borders, but that it can transcend first and foremost the existence of its foundress um, and that we can have a healthy existence that someday, you know, 20 years on, um, the organization will be in more countries stronger than ever. And our achievements will have included, for example, that as much as taught in public schooling all over the world, about fungi than is about plants and animals, for example. So we're really on a quest for fungal justice in a way. You know, there's no reason that we should be teaching children uh, less about fungi than plants and animals. And that's something we're definitely going to change. One of the stated goals of Fungi Foundation is the preservation of fungal species on the planet and also the preservation of fungi-related indigenous knowledge and wisdom. I live in the highland region of Chiapas in southern Mexico, where there's a tremendous historical background and a connection between the local indigenous people and different mushrooms. Over 300 different types of mushrooms are eaten and used medicinally and in some cases ceremonially. And a lot of that knowledge is disappearing, as you know, with the acceleration of globalization and acculturation to Western consumer culture and values. And I see this incredible opportunity for citizen scientists like William Padilla Brown and Alan Rockefeller, each of whom I've hosted on the Micropreneur podcast, 
to really document, catalog, and preserve fungal diversity using DNA barcoding and cloning techniques. What would you say to people who are just turning on to this idea that they can actually go out into the world and help to identify mushrooms and take samples of the DNA and of the tissues and that they can help catalog and conserve fungal diversity? What are the first principles here? Yeah, I know Will very well and I, I know the technology too, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a technology, you know, DNA, DNA barcoding um, has, you know, the whole hype about molecular um, sequencing and DNA barcoding is important in some regions of the world. It's impossible in other regions of the world. And ultimately, it doesn't eliminate the need for a specimen. So um, you cannot describe a new species without the microscopic features of um, the, the mushroom or the fungus, right? The sporum. Um, and, and so I think that in a complementary way, it's really important to learn how to collect fungi for science. And what everybody can do is document their encounters with mushrooms and fungi all over the world. And that you can do for um, a very low amount of money. And then you can sequence and DNA barcode from that dried specimen anytime afterwards. So in a sequence of events and in a sequence of low-cost citizen science, what I would say is it's really important to collect your specimens. And you can log on to the Fungi Foundation website and um, you can download collecting protocols, you know, with the tags ready to print. You know, there's, there's, there are videos that teach you how to collect and document your encounter. And then from that specimen, you can DNA barcode. Um, but remember that you can't describe a new species only with a DNA sequence. You need the specimen. Okay, so let's talk about the Future is Fungi event tomorrow, Saturday, June 26th, online worldwide. Why should people who haven't committed yet purchase a ticket and join the festivities for the Future is Fungi event tomorrow? As I mentioned before, the foundation is a very, um, you know, it's a, it's a long haul endeavor. We've been around formally for a decade and, and it's it built upon my work of, of over two decades, actually quite a lot more. Um, and so when um, last year we made the move to open an office in the U.S., um, it, it really just started to pick up momentum and, and the work just took on a whole other re relevance. But of course, in this whole journey, you know, there's never been a formal um, f uh, fungi funding world. I've worked in NGOs my whole um, career and, you know, for marine issues or, you know, for m mammals, it's very easy. And even for birds, it's really easy to fundraise. But um, for the existence of an NGO working entirely for the fungi, it's been very difficult. I mean, extremely difficult. So we decided um, our board member, Natalie Kelly, um, together with Paul Stamets, who's also on the board of the foundation, put together the idea of having a fundraiser really to connect all these people that have supported the work of the foundation over over such a long time. I mean, all the speakers 
except maybe for one or two, are very, very close collaborators of the foundation. Merlin Sheldrake is on the advisory board. Sophia Rose on the advisory board of the foundation. As I mentioned, Paul and Nat are board members. Um, Phil Ross and I go back, you know, a really long time in the world when Michael materials were first starting to be talked about, you know, with with Michael works. Um, William Padilla Brown, you know, I met, you know, a few months after he he met the fungi you know in his in his quest so so it's been beautiful to just ask these people to come and support us to use their voices to use their influence to help raise funds for the foundation hopefully gather um people who can support us monthly and and continue our work of of um conservation which is really important getting fungi recognized in in international frameworks is fundamental not only for the protection of the fungi for their habitats and the people who depend on them, but also for the creation of funding streams for education, for research, um, you know, and, and in general, the recognition of fungi on par to plants and animals. So that's the genesis of this um, of this fundraiser and speaking event. It's the first time we do something so big um, and we tend to not really use, um, you know, our asks for our friends um, to, to help us fundraise. But today we really need people to understand that instead of giving their tax dollars to, you know, the government, they can, they have the alternative of giving their tax dollars with a tax exemption to the Fungi Foundation and help us discover new species around the world. We're mapping all ancestral and tradi traditional uses of fungi um, ever documented in, in a really huge endeavor. And I'm really proud to say that um, Nancy Turner, the Canadian ethnomycologist is also on the advisory board of the foundation and we're doing amazing work um, on the ethnomycology side of, of, um, of knowledge with a lot of respect. We have a lot of underground um, uh, work um, helping uh, communities around the world to recover and preserve their mycological knowledge. It's not our place to communicate that. It's their place to communicate that. So we, we're very respectful of, of that. But we need help. We need to be able to consolidate as an organization um, with the help of people who choose to support the foundation uh, and get their tax exemption. And that's really what we need to happen with this fundraiser is to consolidate as a source of where to help help the world. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at mycopreneur podcast, that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Mycopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Mycopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.